Hi again, everyone. Thanks for listening to Moving Up the Ladder here on LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma. For this episode, we're talking about failure, but more specifically, how you can be better when it comes to failure. That is being resilient and being able to move forward and learn some lessons from those mistakes. To do that today, we're going to speak with Amy Morin. She's a psychotherapist as well as the author of 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. And I'm sure we'll get some tips there that will help us work our way through those issues as well. Amy, thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. It's a topic that is interesting to myself, and I know a lot of people that I discuss uh, the idea of failure with and uh, some of the ideas of mental strength as well, and that's really where I wanted to start it. How do you define mental strength? Because I feel a lot of people really have their own description as to what it means to them, but how do you really view it? Yeah, there's really three parts to it, and the first part is about regulating your thoughts so that they're not overly negative or they're not overly positive, but to figure out how do you think realistically. Hmm. And the second part is about managing your emotions so that your emotions don't control you. So to figure out how do I be in control of my emotions and aware of them and to understand them. And then the third part is our, about our behavior. And it's figuring out how do I choose to behave productively despite whatever circumstances I find myself in. When it comes to mental strength, then, is it different if you're worrying about a personal matter, something in your day-to-day life versus what's happening professionally or at work? Do you see a difference in terms of mental strength? Yeah, not really. It's really about figuring out, you know, what are the, the good habits that I can have in life? And also, what are the bad habits that I have to give up? Hmm. And it's a lot similar to building physical strength in the sense that if you wanted to become physically strong, you'd need to, to go to the gym, say, and to, to be willing to work out your muscles. Right. But you have to say, I'm going to give up bad habits like eating too much junk food. So to build mental strength, it's about saying, okay, here's my good habits and what bad habits am I going to give up? And it's really uh, about creating those goals that would encompass all the areas of your life, whether it is your personal life or your professional life. Sure. Yeah, and I was just curious because sometimes the things that we talk about on our shows, there might be a difference in how you handle those things. But I think uh, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that it's very similar when you're talking about home versus at work. Another aspect to this that we're going to touch on specifically is the idea of failure. And I wanted to get your opinion on a popular notion that's out there. You might hear it when you're talking about somebody, what their personality is like or when they're trying to get a job. And that's when they say that they are driven by a fear of failure. Do you see that as being good or actually a bad thing? Yeah, I think it depends. I think some people are so afraid of failure that it it sort of becomes this paralyzing fear where they don't want to try anything new or Mm -hmm. they don't want to do anything where they don't excel because they think, what if I fail? I'll be so embarrassed and I can't handle that or it'll you know, be rejected by people. So, so they don't go on and do things, but other people, if they can use that fear to drive them to, to understand it, just because I fail at my first attempt doesn't mean I, I am a failure. And so for somebody who says, all right, I failed 25 times, but the 26th time I was successful <laughs> and, and they were able to use that fear to keep going, then it can be a healthy thing for sure. Okay, good. Well, that does lead us to the broader topic of what we want to talk to and narrowing in then also on resiliency. And that's the idea of what resilient people do to use that failure to your advantage, a little bit of what you touched on there. I guess, first of all, when it comes to understanding their situation and what's going on, what do resilient individuals do that really they plays out so well for them? Yeah, well, you know, resilient people, when they do fail, that rather than looking at it as the end of the road, that they're able to bounce back and to be able to say, okay, this is what happened and how can I, how can I still move forward? And they're able to tolerate because you know, none of us like to fail and it's uncomfortable when we fail. Mm-hmm. But people who are most resilient, they can tolerate that discomfort and then they can use it to their advantage to say, okay, what's next? Whereas a lot of us, when we, we just hate that uncomfortable feeling of feeling like a failure. So we just continue to avoid those things where we could fail or when we do fail, we, 
you know, try to minimize it or we're embarrassed by it or we cover it up or we have excuses for why we failed. But people who are most resilient, they have confidence and they want to still keep moving forward every time they fail that they know that they can use it as an opportunity to become better. One of the things you mentioned I found interesting as well was the idea that resilient individuals who do fail, they still practice gratitude. How does that work into all this? Yeah, there's so much research about how gratitude, all the benefits of it, how it can really help us. And so people who aren't as resilient to failure, when they fail, they tend to have these catastrophic thoughts Mm -hmm. about this is the worst thing in the world and these things always happen to me and all of these things that start to breed this sort of self-pity. But resilient people are able to say, okay, I failed, whether it's a business venture or, you know, I, I failed when I tried to get that promotion or I applied for that new job and I didn't get it, but that's okay because, and then they fill in the blank, whether it's because I still have a roof over my head or because I still have enough income that I can eat this week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just looking at the, the positive in those small things. And when you think differently, it really affects how you feel. And when you start to feel okay about failure, then it affects your behavior. And you can say, okay, I can still do, do something next or I can try, try for something new despite the fact that I failed this time. Another part of this that you just touched on a little bit earlier was the idea that people often will make an excuse if something does happen that, again, they fail at whatever they're trying to accomplish. I'm guessing resilient people don't do that. They might have a different strategy. Yeah, there's a big difference between an explanation and an excuse. Right. And so resilient people look more for the, the explanations. Okay, this is why it happened. You know, it's tempting sometimes to, to look more for the excuse. Well, it wasn't my fault because, you know, that person didn't do that or you blame other people or circumstances, but you can't learn from it unless you're willing to really look at the explanations and figure out what's my responsibility in this and what role did I play so you can figure out what am I going to learn from it moving forward. And if you can view failure just as a, a lesson in life rather than the end of the road, it can really help you to move forward and understand that failure is often the part of becoming successful that mm-hmm. you have to fail over and over again sometimes. I love that you bring that part into it. Uh, We've talked to people from Silicon Valley, and they view failure as being a great thing because you are putting yourself out there, you're learning these lessons. And it sounds like you're saying you can do that on any level, no matter what you're talking about, personal or professional. Absolutely. So whether it be that you had a failed relationship or you just applied (laughs) for a job, maybe that was a little bit out of your comfort zone and and you didn't get it. But to be able to understand, okay, well, what can I take from this? At the end of the day to say, you know, were there any skills that I sharpened? And even if it's they sharpen perhaps my interview skills or my resume writing skills. Even if you didn't get the job, there's probably still something that you can take away from it. I think it's a great perspective to have. Another thing that you, uh, a phrase you used actually in an article that you wrote, I found intriguing. I wanted to get sort of your explanation of it. And that is that resilient people, when they fail, they respect their vulnerabilities. What exactly does that mean to you? Um, you know, I think so often that we, we try to cover up areas where our weaknesses are because we have this this idea that if you have any shortcomings and people find out that you know they'll they'll view you as a failure or or that you can't acknowledge your weaknesses because you know your competition will use it against you mm-hmm. or whatever it might be but to figure out that you know we all have different strengths in life but we also have different weaknesses and acknowledging those weaknesses and deciding what you're going to do about them can be helpful so if for instance somebody decides I'm going to open a business, but I'm not a great bookkeeper. Well, you should admit, gee, I'm not good at keeping the book. What can I do about that? Maybe it's hiring somebody to do it for you rather than trying to do it all. And I think often we just have this thought that you have to do everything. You have to do everything well in order to be successful. But but we don't. We have areas. And, you know, if it's something that I'm really not good at, it really just drains me to try to sit down and, and do those things. 
and sort of figure out what can I do? How can I capitalize on the things that I am good at, but to delegate and to get help on, on areas where, where I could use a little help or the parts that aren't my strengths to figure out how do you incorporate people who are able to do those things and that is their area of strengths and that you can ask for help and still be an effective leader. Again, I think a wonderful perspective there. And for those that listen to our shows, they know when we talk about job interviews as well, you know, that question comes up, well, what's a weakness of yours kind of thing. And the worst thing anyone can ever say is, well, I don't really have any or to sort of try to make it sound like, well, this weakness is just that I work too hard. That's to me, that's not acknowledging it. And and sounds like you're saying you're going to probably end up failing more often if you look at it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the most common interview question that people dread, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but to be able to willing, willing to admit, okay, you know, this isn't something that isn't my area of strength or my area of expertise. It's not something I get excited about. And that that's okay. And that we all have those areas and that just acknowledging them is a big step and to be figure out what do you do about them rather than trying to pretend they don't exist. And then on the flip side, obviously, as you alluded to, you have your strengths and it's important to acknowledge those. How can somebody go about doing that without coming across as arrogant or even, I don't know, being hurt by the fact that they think or know they're really good at something? Is there a balance there in trying to really utilize those strengths? Yeah, there is, because I think sometimes, you know, people fall in one of two categories. Sometimes people are uncomfortable talking about strengths. They try to say things like they did a good job and somebody praises them. They say, well, it was just good luck. Hmm. Well, your boss doesn't really want to think that you were successful (laughs) simply because of luck. And and then on the other side, you know, people will often, you know, they brag and they sort of come across as arrogant. And so to figure out how do you how do you find that balance? And often it's about instead of talking about, you know, character strengths like, gee, you know, I was I was born with these skills. Instead <laughs> to talk about your hard work that you put into it. Yeah. So to say, you know, oh somebody says great job on that project, be able to say, Thank you so much. I worked really hard on it rather than saying you know, thanks. I love giving large presentations and that's always been my area of expertise where you would come across as arrogant. So instead of talking about, you know, all of your wonderful innate characteristics, just talk about how much work and effort you've put in and how you've gotten to that place where it is a skill that that you're good at. And it's okay to admit that, that you're good at that, but it's also important to acknowledge how you got there, that you weren't just born with those certain characteristics. I think another good tip for those listening out there, and you are 100% correct, that is one of the most dreaded interview questions is to, to let, let someone know about your weaknesses or, or an area you need to know. But then the second one is being the idea of the strength. I mean, that actually, people don't like to hear, or as you mentioned, talk about that as well. So I think you touched on that perfectly in talking about strengths and weaknesses there. The last uh, part of this then, as far as what you describe as ways resilient people do take on failure and use it to their advantage is the idea of creating a plan afterwards. What would that entail? How does that look for somebody who will succeed after failing versus somebody who might fall into the same traps? Yeah, so often we've been taught, you know, that failure is bad. And so because of that, we try to avoid thinking about it and we don't want to allow ourselves to feel bad about it. So we just try to move forward as quickly as possible. And, you know, you think about little kids in school where, you know, maybe the math teacher asks the kid a question and he gets the answer wrong and the teacher says, no, that's not right, and then moves on to the next kid. And there's so many of us, I think, we're taught that mistakes are bad and failure is bad. And so to figure out, okay, when you when you do fail, how do you take the time to really learn from it? And and then once you do learn from it, how do you make a plan so that next time you won't fail? And mm-hmm. really, it's about saying, you know, what role did I play in this? What are my shortcomings? And then how can I approach it differently? So to sit down and take some time, allow yourself to feel whether it's embarrassed or rejected or sad or mad or all those 
emotions that seem to get stirred up when we do fail. And it's okay to feel those and to acknowledge them. And then to notice your thinking about failure, whether you have these catastrophic thoughts like, I can't try that again because I'll probably fail. Or if I fail one more time, you know, I'll be in financial ruin forever or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And to really get a grip on those and to get a grip on those feelings too. And then to be able to look at it from a logical standpoint and say, okay, this is why I failed. And these are the things I can do next time. And often writing it down, come up with a goal and to put it down on a piece of paper and to say, and you know, I can try, this is plan A, plan B, plan C, or how can I, this is the three big mistakes I made. And these are the three things then, and then I'm going to try to do differently next time. And to understand it's a process and sometimes it's trial and error, but that as long as you've learned something, and even if you're not completely successful the second time around, as long as you get a little bit better or as long as you've learned something from the process so that you can take with you to keep growing better. But often it is come down to having a written plan. That can be huge. And then you just at least know this is my goal. And then you can start to say, how, how's my progress towards that goal, mm-hmm. whether you're headed in the right direction or not, to make sure that you're taking those steps to, to become better the next time that you try it again. The last part of this that I saw uh, that really struck a chord with me, I'm a big sports fan. I play, I coach. And you brought up in your article the idea that for resilient people, it's not necessarily about achievement. And uh, I bring that up as far as the sports aspect, because of course, there's winning and there's losing. And the way we try to teach the kids that we coach is that, you know, you can play your best and you can do everything right and still lose. It happens. How can people take on that perspective or learn that perspective that you know, it can't just be about achievements that there's got to be another side to it. Otherwise, you're probably going to end up driving yourself crazy in terms of failure. Yeah, you know, because so much of our success in life, it's not 100% contingent on us, right? We can only control so much. So you can't control your competition, for mm-hmm. example. So whether, you know, a lot of your success in life comes down to maybe if you start a business, it's all about what town you live in. If you lived in a different city, maybe you'd have the most successful business in the world. Sure. But you happen to live in the same town as a competitor who does a great job, you're not going to do as well. Or same with a sports team. You could play your best game ever, but if you play against another team who happens to have their best game ever, <laughs> you still might not win. And so it's about changing the thoughts that we have and to remind ourselves that to be good at what you do doesn't mean you have to always come out on top. And to remind yourself that, you know, as long as I, I try hard, because so often, you know, I think that we, we praise our kids or we praise ourselves for, for winning. Yep. And that's the ultimate goal is to do the best. But when you do that, when we do that, that sort of thought process creeps in of, you know, well, if I came in second, does that mean I'm not good? And so to really just sort of change that whole way that we view success in life and to know that as long as you're working towards your goals and keep your eye on sort of the, the prize of this is what I want to accomplish in life and to know that no matter what goes on around you, you can't control it all the time. But as long as you've done your best and you can go to bed at night thinking, okay, I put in a hard day's work doing my best, and you have that sort of sense of accomplishment, then sort of pride and feeling good about yourself can come from that rather than that I, that I beat everybody else today. I think that's a perfect way to close things out on this episode. Amy, some really good stuff you brought to us today, excellent perspectives and some good tips for people as well who are trying to figure out how that all works together in terms of failure and resiliency and really moving forward. So thank you for coming on sharing today. Well, thanks for having me. That will officially do it for us here on this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. Again, we were speaking with Amy Morin, who is a psychotherapist, as well as the author of 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. She brought us some excellent information and perspectives today that hopefully you can all use as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this show or any of our episodes on LJN Radio, just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter, find us at the LJN, 
And we definitely encourage you to check out all of our shows on iTunes. Just search LJN Radio in the iTunes store. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. <laughs>